Hello. Welcome to the Legends of King Arthur and his Knights. Chapter 24. A Sir of Unfortunate Events. Sir Tristram of Lyons had acquired a companion. Sir Dinadan, Knight of the Round Table, was a wise-cracking cynic, but Tristram enjoyed his company. As their ship landed on the shores of England, they decided they would carry on riding together. The eventual aim was to go to the court of King Arthur, but there was plenty of time for that. No need to pass up the chance of adventure. As they rode through a forest, a young lady approached them in some distress. She gave them terrible news. Queen Morgan Le Fay was determined to see the downfall of Sir Lancelot. It was rumoured she was in love with the great knight herself, but knew that he was devoted to Guinevere. Also, Morgan Le Fay had never accepted her brother as the rightful King of Britain, and many times she had carried out treacherous acts against him. Whether her motive was love or treason doesn't matter. The fact was that she had sent thirty knights to lie in wait for Sir Lancelot and kill him. This is what the young lady explained to Sir Tristram and Sir Dinadan. Fair lady, said Sir Tristram, tell us where to meet with these knights, and we will go there and defeat them. Hey, now hold on a minute, said Sir Dinadan. I'm happy to take on two or three knights for the sake of Sir Lancelot, but thirty against two is just not happening. You coward. Well, you've got two choices. Either you come with me and take on the thirty, or I kill you here and now. Now that's a fun choice, said Sir Dinadan sarcastically. Either I die fighting thirty, or I die fighting you. Either way, I die. Nice. OK, I'll come with you, and undo all I can to protect myself, but quite frankly I wish I'd never met you. Tristram grinned to himself as Sir Dinadan rode off grumbling. They didn't have long to wait. The thirty knights soon approached on their way to the location of their ambush. Tristram shouted to them. Stop! Come here and fight a knight who challenges you for the sake of Sir Lancelot. With that, he ran one of them through with his spear and slew another with his sword. Sir Dinadan joined in bravely, just as Tristram had known that he would. They killed half each of the remaining knights until only ten were left. These ten scarpered as quickly as they could. As the knights were running away, Four knights of the round table, led by Sir Bors, arrived. They were extremely impressed, and invited the two victors to lodge with them. Sir Tristram and Sir Dinadan politely refused, and rode on. Word soon reached Sir Lancelot that Sir Tristram of Lyons had saved him from the wrath of Morgan le Fay. He was very impressed, and vowed to meet with this great knight from Cornwall as soon as he could, if only he knew what Sir Tristram looked like. The next day, Word spread throughout the land that there was soon to be a great tournament at the Castle of Maidens. It was to be between two teams, one led by King Carados of Scotland and the other by the King of North Galis. Sir Tristram determined to be there. He left Sir Dinadan to rest and recover from his wounds and rode to find out when the tournament was to take place. The task was made considerably easier when Sir Tristram met that great loyal knight of King Arthur's court. He had just encountered a young woman and promised to do good deeds for her when King Arthur's nephew rode by. The great man was well known throughout the kingdom and Sir Tristram recognised him immediately. Fair knight, asked Sir Gawain, why do you ride with this lady? She never did any good, only foul deeds. She is a lady of Morgan le Fay. He turned to the sheepish looking young woman. So what treachery is it this time then? Sir, she replied guiltily. My lady, Morgan Le Fay, has ordered thirty ladies to seek and find Sir Lancelot of the Lake and Sir Tristram of Lyons. 
and if we find either, we are to bring them to the tower, where thirty knights will set on them. Sir, said Gawain to Tristram, will you stand with me against these thirty? Sir Tristram looked a bit confused. Well, yes, he replied uncertainly, but a fellow of mine and I have already killed twenty of thirty lying in wait for Sir Lancelot. Gawain grinned. I'm sure there are many more where they came from. Together they rode to the castle, where Morgan was residing. Gawain shouted out, Queen Morgan le Fay, send out thirty treacherous knights. I know of your treason, but while ever I live, you will not destroy my lord King Arthur, or his fellowship of knights. Whether Morgan would have sent thirty knights out is not known, but they flatly refused to go. No, we won't come out. We certainly do not want to fight you, Sir Gawain of Orkney, but we absolutely will not, under any circumstances, fight him. Gawain laughed. It didn't bother him that the knights were more scared of Tristram than they were of him. All that mattered to King Arthur's nephew was that he had to save his lord from immediate danger. He knew that Morgan's knights would not be brave enough to fight after this. He also knew that Morgan le Fay would not give up, and that she would find other means to undermine her brother's kingdom. He dismounted and held Sir Tristram by the shoulders. Thank you, sir. I must ride on, but we will meet again soon. Sir Tristram felt a little better about life. He was missing La Belle Isoude terribly, but his knightly deeds had cheered him up. Of course, life has a habit of dealing its fiercest blows at the wrong time. The unfortunate Tristram's mood was darkened when the Lady Bragwain turned up unannounced. She had brought letters from Isoude. The letters complained of how much Isoude missed her knight and how terrible it all was. Tristram was heartbroken all over again, but decided he'd try to stay sane this time. His humour was restored slightly when he met up with Sir Dinadan again. Together they looked on as Sir Palamedes jousted with a knight carrying a shield of Cornwall. They were both amazed as the knight overthrew Palamedes easily. Little did they know that it was Sir Lancelot who was out looking for Sir Tristram in order to thank him for taking on the thirty knights. Tristram smiled to himself. When he was in Ireland he had fought Sir Palamedes over La Belle Isoude, and he was pleased that the Saracen had been beaten. The day of the tournament arrived. Sir Tristram acquired a plain black shield so that nobody would know it was he, and joined in on the side of King Carados. He fought valiantly and well, and at the end of the first day he had received the prize for the best fighter. It was presented to the knight with the black shield, as nobody knew it was Sir Tristram. On the second day of the tournament, everything changed. Sir Palamedes turned up to fight, as did King Arthur. They joined King Carados's side, which irked Sir Tristram greatly. He was not at all fond of Sir Palamedes, and so he changed sides to fight for the King of North Galis. Again he fought fiercely. Unfortunately, three knights he fought against Sir Tristram lost so badly that they died. Tristram was not to know it at the time, but this would come back to haunt him. Sir Lancelot noticed how skilful and powerful the knight with the black sword was, and he remarked on it. Still, he didn't take on the knight. At the end of the day, Sir Tristram, Sir Dinadan, and Gouvernail rode away into a forest before the prize could be given. Instead, it was awarded to the King of North Galis, because the knight with the black shield had been on his side. The third and final day of the tournament arrived. This time, Sir Palamedes achieved many knightly deeds and seemed to be winning the day, but the knight with the black shield challenged him to a joust. Of course, Sir Tristram was too good for Palamedes, and he was thrown from his horse. They both drew their swords, and Sir Palamedes gave everything he could. In the end, it just wasn't enough. 
the knight with the black shield crashed his sword down on the Saracen's helmet and knocked him unconscious. As he did so, he shouted, Have this for Sir Tristram's sake. Tristram then defeated eleven knights of King Ban's kin. That meant they were related to Sir Lancelot. Everyone cried out in praise of the knight with the black shield. Sir Lancelot, jousting on the other side of the field, heard the cries and went to see what was going on. Knight with the black shield, he yelled. Prepare to joust with the best. He raised his spear and got ready to charge. Sir Tristram did the same. They ran at each other, but at the last minute Lancelot's spear slipped from its position. It did it at the unluckiest moment for Sir Tristram, as the spear point completely missed its intended target, his chest armour. Instead, it hit him in his side, pierced his armour and wounded him sorely. Still he jumped from his horse and raised his sword. He managed to hit Lancelot three times before the great man had time to react, with such force that sparks flew. After that, realising he was too wounded to carry on, he grabbed Sir Dinadan and rode away from the field. The tournament continued and Sir Lancelot showed what he was made of. He was given the prize at the end of the day, but he refused to accept it. No, he said, the knight with the black shield won the day. I know he is a great knight. He is Sir Tristram of Lyons. He deserves this prize. Lancelot determined that he would find Sir Tristram, and he set out with ten knights, including Sir Lucan, Sir Bors, Sir Uwain, Sir Gaheris, and Sir Hector de Maris. Tristram, meanwhile, had had to fight yet again with Sir Palamedes. The Saracen had come across him and challenged him to yet another joust. Despite being badly wounded and very tired, Sir Tristram beat Palamedes yet again. Sir Gaheris saw what had happened and went back to report to King Arthur and Sir Lancelot. Lancelot and his party set out for the place where Gaheris had seen Tristram. Meanwhile, Tristram and Dinadan arrived at the castle of an old knight called Sir Darras. He offered them food and lodging and they gratefully accepted. They were less grateful when a young woman turned up with a wounded Sir Palamedes. She had offered him lodging too, so the two friends had to put up with him for the evening. Later that day, Sir Lucan and Sir Uwain turned up. Tristram managed to keep his identity secret from the two men of the search party and they went away. The last visitor of the day, though, was by far the worst for the lodgers. A young lady arrived and told Sir Darras that three of his sons had been killed at the great tournament of Maiden Castle. They had been killed by a knight who carried a black shield. In two-thirds of no time, Sir Tristram, Sir Dinadan and the unfortunate Sir Palamedes were in Sir Darras's prison. Tristram's time in Darras's prison must have been complete hell. He was wounded and receiving no treatment, so fever set in, and he became very ill. Sir Palamedes constantly sniped at him, telling him he was a shameful knight, and it was his fault they were all in this mess. As Tristram got sicker, though, Palamedes began to worry that he was going to die. After a few days, he was doing his best to comfort the knight from Cornwall. The pain grew and grew, and soon it became apparent that Sir Tristram would not last much longer. Sir Dinadan banged on the doors of the prison, shouting that they were honourable knights and they should be released immediately. The search party, meanwhile, was getting nowhere. Nobody knew that Sir Tristram was desperately ill in Sir Darras's jail. Sir Gaheris travelled to Cornwall to see if King Mark knew where his nephew was. He was well received and ate a hearty banquet. Talk then turned to his quest. I was at the tournament of Maiden Castle, he said. At the games was a knight of such great prowess that he won the prize. I guess it was Sir Lancelot, replied Mark cautiously. Or maybe Sir Palamedes or Sir Gawain, 
Nope, said Gaheris, it was a knight of Cornwall. Then it must have been Sir Tristram, said Mark darkly. His heart skipped many beats. It was not good for King Mark that Sir Tristram was becoming well respected in the court of King Arthur. La Bellisude, of course, was delighted. She looked after Gaheris while he stayed at Tintagel, revelling in the stories of her Tristram. During the feasting and drinking, Sir Uwain turned up. Sir Andred, maybe a little worse for wear, challenged Uwain to a joust. Uwain, maybe not a little worse for wear, beat him easily. King Mark, definitely a bit worse for wear, shouted that Sir Andred must be avenged and demanded that Sir Gaheris fight Sir Uwain. Sir Gaheris, probably a little worse for wear, prepared to arm himself, but Uwain stopped him. Cousin, we are both knights of the round table. It is not honourable that we fight each other at the behest of a king of a provincial backwater. Gaheris was ashamed. That night Sir Uwain left Tintagel. He was followed by Mark and the treacherous Sir Andred. Without warning, King Mark leapt upon Sir Uwain and wounded him sorely in the side. Then he left him for dead. Fortunately, he was found by Sir Kay and Sir Gaheris and taken to where he could be healed. Gaheris and Kay went to Tintagel. Sir, said Gaheris to Mark, you are shameful and you are dishonourable in your deeds. Not only that, you are a fool. Only a fool would have banished Sir Tristram of Lyons from his country. If he was here, you wouldn't have needed to ask another knight to fight for you. You live a fool, and one day you will die a fool. Mark took no notice. When Gaheris and Kay left his court, he and Andred secretly followed them. He soon caught up with them and challenged Kay to a joust. Kay didn't have a fighting horse, just a small one, and the fight was not really fair. King Mark knocked Sir Kay from his little horse. Gaheris, by now extremely angry, smacked Sir Andred on the helmet with his sword. His blow was so mighty that Andred hit the ground with a sickening thud. Gaheris demanded that they both yield to him. Yield, traitors! I'm not sure you should live any longer, but I will accept your pleadings. Mark knew he was beaten. He was very scared of Sir Gaheris by now, and he pleaded for his life. I swear, he said, that I will never treat badly any knight-errant who enters Cornwall. I will protect and revere any knight of the round table who comes into my lands, and I will be a friend to Sir Tristram of Lyons. Kay was holding his sword at Sir Andred's neck. He looked over at Gaheris. Let me kill this fiend. He's a cousin of Sir Tristram, and yet he has tried to kill him at every opportunity. Andred quivered. Gaheris looked at him and said nothing for a little while. Andred's quiver turned to a shiver. Soon he was quaking with fear. After letting Andred experience such dread one cannot imagine, Gaheris spoke. No, you can't kill him. I have given the king his life, and we must give this wretch his life too. Kay grinned and withdrew his sword. Then the knights of the round table left their Cornish foes and travelled back to England. There they met Sir Lancelot and told him of their adventures. They had to report, though, they were no closer to discovering the whereabouts of Sir Tristram of Lyons. They travelled to the land of Surluse to continue their quest. The object of their quest was still languishing in a dark, unfriendly prison. Tristram was on the verge of death. Dinadan begged the jailers who brought them food for some medical care for his friend, but none came until one day a young lady brought them their meal. Dinadan pleaded with her that his brother knight would die, and it was shameful. He may have killed the Lord's sons, but he had not done it treacherously. It was not honourable for him to die a villain's death in a country jail. She spoke with Sir Darras, 
and he realised he had done wrong. He sent for the captives. Sir Tristram of Lyons, he said, you have killed my boys and I was greatly distressed, but you are an honourable knight and it is not right that I should let you die in my prison. Promise me today you will always be a friend to my two remaining sons and protect them, and I will release you and your friends. First I will arrange for a doctor to come here to my castle and heal you of your wounds and your sickness. Sir, replied Tristram weakly, as long as my name is Tristram of Lyons and I am a nephew to King Mark, I swear to honour and protect your sons. If I have slain your other sons by treachery, then I would have deserved to die, but I didn't, and you are right to release us. Later that day, a doctor arrived. After a few days of tender loving care, a lot of praying, and some particularly fine leeches, Sir Tristram recovered, and the three knights rode out of the castle. They split up, and each went their separate ways. Now that Tristram had recovered, he and Sir Palamedes resumed their dislike for each other. The comradeship of adversity was gone, and the hatred returned. Sir Tristram rode all day, until he found a castle where he asked for lodging. Resident in the castle at the time was a lady we have come to know very well. Tristram was given food and lodging, but he was in for a shock. As he was eating breakfast, the lady approached and sat down at his table. Sir Tristram of Lyons looked up and found himself staring into the beautiful but hard face of Queen Morgan le Fay. Sir Tristram of Lyons, you are here as my prisoner. Tristram almost exploded. Oh, great! I've been a prisoner in a dingy dungeon for weeks, and now I'm a prisoner again. When is my luck going to turn? Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you here for long. I'll let you go on one condition. Next week, at the Castle of the Hard Rock, King Arthur is going to hold a tournament. You will go to the tournament, and you will fight wearing this shield. Morgan produced a very fine-looking shield. It was red and decorated with a strange scene. A king and queen were painted onto the middle of the shield. Above them was a knight, one foot on the head of the king, and the other on the head of the queen. Tristram took it with a puzzled frown. This is a very fine shield, but what is the meaning of the picture? Morgan told him a little about the picture, but didn't tell him the full story. Tristram rode off and made his way towards the tournament field. He was pleased that he was at last both free and healthy. He was worried about the shield, though. What Morgan hadn't told him was that the king and queen were Arthur and Guinevere. The knight was Lancelot. Sir Tristram of Lyons was carrying what amounted to a cartoon telling everyone about Lancelot's affair with Queen Guinevere. Not being one of King Arthur's knights, Sir Tristram had not heard the rumours. Soon, the unfortunate knight would be advertising them to the whole country. Next week, we'll find out what happens when that shield makes its appearance. Until then, have a great week, and I'll speak to you next time.